This is an ABC podcast. Well, from the pale octopus to the spiky sea urchin, there is a growing interest, Jonathan, and an appetite to get us to eat our local weird and wonderful sea creatures. And once upon a time, the pale octopus was just considered really as bait. But now restaurants are putting it front and centre on their menus. And a new specific type of fishing licence for octopus was introduced last year. And this has opened up new fishing grounds, especially just off East Gippsland. And this is good news, Rish, for some restaurateurs who say it is becoming harder and harder to put fresh, quality, wild-caught local fish on the menu at a price that people are happy to pay. And the pale octopus at about $8 a kilo Ooh. is perfect. Um, it is sustainable, it reproduces well, and it's not really a species that is likely to be overfished. Would you like a little side serve of sea urchins with your pale <laughs> octopus, Jono? <laughs> because the fact is we're actually being asked to eat these spiky little creatures. Scientists and the government want you to start catching and eating them to try and help control their numbers because they're considered as pests. So is it time to mix up the traditional view of what's in a fisherman's basket? Would you be prepared to eat marine pests or a species once seen as bait? If there is a fisherman's basket on the menu, I am ordering it. <laughs> Do you catch or eat sea urchin? And have you seen octopus change from being seen as a bait to a delicacy? A lot of people say an octopus is like an alien. Strange thing is, as you get closer to them, you realise that you're very similar in a lot of ways. It's a hard thing to explain, but sometimes you just get a feeling and you know there's something to this creature that's very unusual. There's something to learn here. That's filmmaker Craig Foster speaking as part of My Octopus Teacher, which was the 2020 Oscar-winning documentary about the relationship he had with a curious young octopus. But our, 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 well, Lots our, of people, John, are now are saying, I mean, including Cara and Reservoir, have you seen the movie, My Octopus Teacher? You'll never eat them again. Please don't eat them. So lots yeah. of people are going to be divided on this. Well, that is a reference point for a lot of people um, with octopuses. And I, yeah, that's I've seen that documentary. It's really well-made documentary. I don't know if it's going to stop me eating <laughs> um, octopuses. Let's have a chat with Dallas De Silva from the Victorian Fisheries Authority. Good morning. Good morning, Jono. What do you think about the industry? Is the pale octopus the next calamari in that it is going to grow and we're going to be eating, well, lots of us are going to be eating a lot of it more in the years to come? Yeah, we certainly think so. You know, it's a, it's a great product. It, you know, they're really nice to eat. But, um, you know, going back in the day, they were really, I guess, um, you know, popular with certain multicultural you know, groups, um, people from certain ethnic backgrounds. What we're trying to see here and what, what we think is going to happen is it'll be just come a, a real staple or a mainstream product in your supermarkets, in your restaurants. It'll be like calamari. What about the pale octopus, though? What, what's different about the pale octopus and what makes it so specific to Victoria? But, yeah, so the pale octopus is found along the, the coastline of Victoria, also in our bays and inlets. And it's, you know, so there's, there's heaps of them out there. Uh, we've set up a fishery in East Gippsland. So um, in the past, we had these licences where some of the fishermen had them. Um, there was about 150 of them, uh, quite a lot of licences. Uh, a lot of them weren't using them for octopus. Uh, and then all of a sudden, about five, six years ago, some of the fishers in East Gippsland really worked out how to catch them efficiently using these purpose-built traps or pots. Um, they've got no bycatch. There's no conflict with other you know, wreck fishes or commercial fishes. It's just a great new industry that's emerged. And we looked at it a few years ago and decided it needs to be, I guess, you know, managed a bit more. We've set it up as a standalone octopus licence now with an octopus quota that's set annually. So, um, yeah, it's a really exciting new development in the seafood industry in Victoria. And let's talk about the price because it's about or hanging around about $8 a kilo, which is pretty affordable when you compare it to everyone was making a fuss about crayfish getting down to about $30 a kilo. Um, usually they're up around $90. But um, how, how affordable is Is that part of it? Yeah, it is. You know, 
making sure that we've got fresh, affordable seafood for Victorians to enjoy, you know, their local seafood. Uh, it's caught locally in Victoria. It's landed here. Uh, it's processed. Um, and there is a really strong local market for, for the species, and we're seeing that already, you know, with the price. Um, the price could, you know, like, like a lot of fish species, they can fluctuate during the year depending on supply and demand. Um, but certainly, you know, the, the, the octopus is in very high demand in top restaurants, uh, also in the supermarket. So, um, yeah, keep an eye for it in your, in your local shops. How does it taste? I mean, is its texture different? Is it quite traditional to other forms of octopus, given that it's pale? I mean, is it different? Does it look, taste? Do we cook it differently yeah. in any way? It is quite different. And, and I'm not a, an expert chef or a, or a seafood um, tasting judge, so to speak, but um, a chap by the name of John Sussman, who's a fish marketing guru, he has really seen huge potential with the pale octopus and uh, he's been involved in the restaurant industry for many, many years and um, yeah, he's very excited by the prospects with this one. He, he just says it's got a really unique texture, uh, very nice taste and can see it being you know, the next big thing on our seafood menu. Well, look, thank you so much, Dallas, for, uh, for starting the conversation this morning. Dallas De Silva from the Victorian Fisheries Authority. Stephen is in Castlemaine. Morning, Stephen. What are you thinking? Oh, my, father used to, my grandfather used to catch them 40 or 50 years ago. I, you'll find there was a number of people from the Mediterranean that would have been catching them in the bay. Oh, this is sea urchins or octopuses? Yeah, yeah, uh, sea urchins. Right, uh, right. They call it woodsy. So, but um, he used to catch them. I'm sure that he used to catch them here in the bay and um, they were eat them then. So no, he wouldn't have been the only one. So, And do you still eat them now, Stephen? Them. What's that? Do you still eat them often now if you get the opportunity? <laughs> I've never eaten them. <laughs> never um, eaten them? I didn't live near him, so, but all I know is he used to go catching them and um, I suppose my grandmother used to cook them up for him. So, yeah. um, But over in Malta they do eat them. So um, it's not, I think, uh, you'll find there's probably already people catching them and eating them. Probably very small now. They are. Well, I was just talking to Virginia Trioli off air and I said, really? Do you really eat them? She said, oh, they're delicious. Jonna, she was saying they're just creamy and they just melt in your mouth. Because I said, oh, they kind of like abalone. She was like, oh, no, don't be crazy. <laughs> Wash your mouth out. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of um, effort to reward, though. They're not, I mean, they're not, they don't come in the most user-friendly packaging, do they? No, they don't. They probably should come with a pair of tweezers in case you get one of those little <laughs> Bikes and popped into your hand as you're trying to prepare them. And Jim Sindos, he's a keen fisherman. He's a member of the Mordialic Boating and Angling Club. You may know him as a man behind many fabulous Greek restaurants here in Melbourne. Jim, a text just came in saying, octopus has been a delicacy in Europe for centuries. When you first came to Melbourne, it was just seen as bait, octopus. Did that take you by surprise? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, octopus... Uh I remember when I had the restaurant back in 1968, 69, the fishermen from uh, Queen's they used to bring it to me for nothing uh, and uh, for a plate of, uh, of lunch or dinner, which was only 65 cents those days, uh, because nobody wanted it and only used it for bite. But it is absolutely a delightful and delightful, and the most necessary thing, if you have a glass of uzo, you have oh. to go with the octopus. Right, you've got to have octopus and uzo. Okay, oh, the ideal. Okay, um, how do you do it? How do you cook it up? Is it pretty simple to cook? Oh, it, it really is. It is. It's only a matter of boiling it. The best what you want to do. You can have it uh, cooked in wine. You can have it ordinary boiled, and then grilled on the charcoal. Uh, you can pickle it, uh, and I tell you how to cook it. We start off with uh, putting it into a, a pot, depends on the size of the octopus, and that makes whether you get a, a big pot or a small pot, uh, with a tiny little bit of water. As a matter of fact, just about two or three spoonsfuls of water, not much. And But you add to it, you, you add to it uh, some wine, and that's, of course, is in my taste is wine, but some people don't use it. Don't use it. Some people using just an ordinary um, water and uh, oil, and, and then you boil that in into that 
into that uh, octopus, you put garlic, uh, bay leaves, cut half onion, cut half onion, and put it in there and boil that for 40 minutes. Now, you get a lot of water out of the octopus there, a lot of water, because it's, it's got 80% of the octopus, it's, uh, it's water. Um, and that you can use that water to do risottos, or you can use it as a stock for fish soup or anything like that. Is it easy uh, to stuff it up, though? Can you stuff that up? Not the, not the octopus. You can do the calamari, but not the octopus. Although there is a little bag, the, the body of it, uh, you can use it, but really is not ideal. The best is uh, calamari, yes, but not octopus. And, Jim, when did you start to see it become popular on restaurants and move from, of course, when people migrated to Australia, both the Italians and the Greeks always knew that octopus was delicious and a delicacy. When Mm. in Melbourne and in Victoria did you start to see it appear on menus and people start to ask for it? Well, only, I would say, 80s, in the 80s, we used to we used to we used to serve octopus early seventies in in the restaurant in Russell Street. That was the very first Greek restaurant we had, um, but it wasn't very popular. People didn't know it. Uh, they didn't touch the, the octopus. Oh, octopus calamari. Uh, you only use it for bite. You don't use. You don't eat it. Isn't that incredible? You think about every restaurant now. There's a salt and pepper calamari or salt and pepper squid on on every menu. I know. And just finally, Jim, what about sea urchins? You know, we're being asked by government and by scientists to eat more of them because they're becoming a pest. Do you eat sea urchins? Uh, Yes, we used to use. We used to uh, get them from uh, when I was back home in Cyprus. We used to get it from the rocks. Yes, and some of the people eat it raw as they are. It's just Hopefully they haven't eaten. Yes, yeah, sashimi. We've heard about that. It's um, how do you get into them, Jim? Oh, uh, well, you have to get it with your hands. It's very, very spiky. <laughs> but uh, uh, if you if you know how to do it, you can either use a club or a cloth, or a, a, you wear gloves or something like that. But um, or kick them. Once you kick them on the floor, they come loose, and then you can easily pick them up from the spikes. Yeah, fair enough. Jim, thank you so much for your wealth of experience with seafood. Uh, it's been lovely to chat with you. Thank you. But uh, can I can I get this opportunity and mention my fishing club, please? Because I'm very proud of, of Morialot Boiling and Angler Club. With, because we are celebrating at 75 years of existence. And oh. I think that's wonderful. Oh, happy birthday. And that's the Morialot Boating and Angling Club. And you've been a member for how many of those years, Jim? Uh, the last uh, oh, 15 years, I think I was, remember? Yeah. Uh, but if I knew it, I would have been a member since I was eight. <laughs> oh, well, we've got a text here, Jim. Congratulations. Thank you. And, yeah, we we wish the Mordialic Boating and Angling Club all the best. Thanks for joining us. Aaron, actually, in Mordialic, sent us a, a text, Jono, saying urchins are a ma- massive problem in the bay. They're eating all the kelp forests in Morris. There is a bag limit of 20. This should be increased. Parks are organising volunteers to cull them at Ricketts Point. Well, mm. that's exactly what we're talking about. And Dr Paul Carnell is a leading sea urchin culling project manager in two Marine Parks in the Bay is also from Deakin University. Paul, Aaron from Mordialic is right. You want people eating them, don't you? Yeah, that's right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, just just like Aaron said, we're getting more and more reports that, yeah, search numbers are on the rise and they're going around uh, causing a bit of havoc in, in the Bay. Is that the answer, though, opening them up to, you know, restaurants and, and home cooks? Uh, it's definitely part of the answer, yeah. So in areas where they're just moving in and they're just starting to eat the kelp, the quality of the sea urchins is still really good. And, yeah, if you can go in and, and catch them and stop them from eating all of those kelp forests, um, then, yeah, they're great to eat as a recreational fisher. But, yeah, they're also delicious on the seafood menu as well.
We're talking about sort of mixing up what is traditionally in our fisherman's basket. If you eat sea urchins, maybe, you know, you go out and you do catch them and you're doing your bit. Also octopus, if that's becoming a, a regular part of, of what you eat, one three hundred triple two seven seven four. You can text zero four three seven 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 four seven seven four. And it's really thinking about what we would once consider bait and pests as being the main staple of what we should be consuming. There's a text here that's saying sea each Sea urchins are considered a delicacy in Japanese cuisine, Paul. Can you ever mm. see that happening here in Victoria? Yeah, I think, um, but it also means, uh, yeah, but I think we can also kind of mix up the kind of things that, that we kind of do with it. So, yeah, it is really big uh, in, in Japanese cuisine. And, yeah, you can have urchin sashimi and a whole lot of really delicious food. Uh, one of the ones I'm playing around with at the moment is uh, sea urchin scrambled eggs. Um, I mean, it's a great one. Uh, also, sea urchin pasta. So, yeah, I think if we get a bit creative uh, with with the kind of ways and things that uh, that we use it, I think we could also see it become a much bigger part of yeah what we Is eat. It- a text here saying fresh sea urchin mixed with some pecorino cheese and egg yolk makes the most delicious creamy seafood pasta you will ever eat. Uh, <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. What sort of numbers are we looking at in the bay and in Victorian coastal waters for sea urchins? So in, in, in some areas of the bay, we're seeing from 10 all the way up to 50 sea urchins per square metre. And we estimate that there's about 400 to 500 hectares of these, what we call sea urchin barren, so where they've just eaten everything. Um, so that adds up to, yeah, uh, uh, millions of sea urchins in, in the bay that we have. Um, and one of the issues is, which is why in some areas we're looking to cull them, is that when they've eaten everything, um, they don't have any food anymore. And so actually they start to effectively become kind of skinny and the part of the sea urchin that, that you eat actually doesn't taste any good anymore. So once they've cleared everything completely, you know, they're living in a barren uh, kind of wasteland. We actually can't go out and catch and eat those urchins anymore. What's the flow-on effect? When you say they're eating everything, what what Mm. are they eating and then what problems are they causing as a result to other marine life? Yeah, so they're eating the kelp forest, which are, you know, just like the forest we have on land. They're the the trees, they're what um, all other different marine life lives in but also eats as well um and so we're we're also chatting a lot and working with the abalone industry because basically in the same period that we've seen the sea urchins having a really big impact on the reefs in the bay actually the abalone numbers across the bay have also crashed as well so yeah you're right this does have flow-on effects to a whole lot of other species in the bay Mm. Uh, a text here saying sea urchins are the truffles of the sea. I think this person could work in marketing for these sea urchins. I love so it. So if, if we weren't harvesting these for human consumption, would you have to be doing culls? Yeah, and uh, I, I guess, like I said, uh, we kind of, we're at the point where we need to really consider kind of all options on the table. Um, so in the areas where the sea urchin is still in good quality, then I think, yeah, people can go out and, and catch them. But yeah, I think we need to yeah look at those areas where they've you know where the the quality of the section isn't good anymore because they've eaten everything, um, and given that we have you know four to five hundred hectares of, of reef in the bay, that's that's a lot of area. So um, yeah, I think that's definitely one thing that we're chatting with with the government and with CFA about how we could maybe yeah. Um, expand some of the culling that's happening. A lot of people seem to be connected it in some way. Another text saying, when I did a dive, we cut open a sea urchin and, you know, fish would just flock to it. Um, mm. How do we, I guess, then educate just the general public? If they think, oh, okay, this sounds interesting. I've never eaten them before. Maybe I will go and actually get some for myself and I will try them. At the same time, we want people to be careful and to do this properly uh, mm. and to not cause additional issues. How yep. do we go about making sure that people just don't go out there and either harm other creatures or marine life in some way? Yeah, no, great question. So first, um, a great stop is the Victorian Fisheries Authority website where if you type in sea urchin and, and VFA, uh, you can get what the, uh, what the rules and regulations are. Um, so the bag limit is up to 40 now these days. Um, so it did used to be 20, but now it's 40. Uh, and there's also the intertidal rule. So you just have to duck dive down um, to at least two metres uh, to uh, collect them from there if, 
um, if you're going out, and then you can pop them in a catch bag, and then you bring them up to the surface, um, and then you can process them uh, back on the back on the picnic table next to the beach. Um, yeah, I've got a. Um, there is a special tool that you can use uh, to open them up, but I've also just got a big kind of chef knife that I just kind of use to to crack it open and. Uh, yeah. But don't leave that just on the, the bay along with your sea urchins. Do the right thing. Isn't it right, though? We had a text before, Paul, saying that, well, how come they then retail for like $40 a kilo? Should we not be putting them out like we do big boxes of lemons and citrus when we have too much on the sidewalk, especially during COVID, and say, please help yourself? Yeah, that's right. So if so, if you have a recreational fishing licence, you can catch 40 a day. So, yeah, um, and if, if people can't eat 40 a day, they can go and collect them every day and, yeah, give them to their neighbours, absolutely. Well, look, thank you for telling us about your work and about uh, and sea urchins, Dr Paul Carnell. I appreciate that. He's leading a, a sea urchin culling project in two marine parks in the Bay and he's from Deakin University. Um, Liz from Hawthorne uh, got in touch. Oh, this is about octopuses, saying, please stay away from Victorian piers when fishing for octopus. It's illegal to hunt octopus under piers. Thank you, Liz. Um, also, just on the best way to get into a sea urchin, because I was saying they don't have the most user-friendly packaging, uh, this uh, text says, I saw special round-shaped scissors used in Sicily to cut off the top third of the urchins after being picked straight from the sea. A fabulous experience with a glass of white wine. Thank you for that. Gary is in sunshine. Morning, Gary. What are your thoughts? Good morning. How is it going? Good. Yeah, good, good. I'm a fishmonger in the Footscray market, and um, as of next day, we sell a lot of sardines from the bay, Port Phillip Bay, and as of next April, the government's bought back the licences from the fishermen, which is only a couple of fellas that do it. They catch uh, a lot when when the weather's nice and calm. They're in abundance, and we sell hundreds and hundreds of kilos a week, like every other shop does. They're cheap, they're beautiful, gorgeous. And as of next April, they're not allowed to go and catch them anymore for some crazy reason. And it's not And this is sardines good. you're talking about, Gary? Sardines, yes. Beautiful, fresh sardines. Is it overfishing? Do they know about, do no, they know about no, the numbers? No. Not at all. It's got nothing to do with it. There's billions of them in the bay, billions, all year round. On a calm night, they just go ahead and catch them. And, ha- and, and uh, how, how many are you selling? Like, How popular are sardines? Uh, on a good week. We aim from Tuesday to Saturday on a good week. I could sell, honestly, not joking, six, seven, eight hundred kilos. Well, again, that's a a species we were talking about, um, octopus earlier, being traditionally thought of as a bait species, but same with sardines. Sardines are very, very, that'd be one of our most popular uh, selling items. uh, I I might have missed it if you said this. Is it because they're they're cheap? Like, what are they per kilo, Gary? Uh, I'll sell them for seven ninety, six ninety, eight ninety. Isn't that interesting? Gary, thank you. A little later in the week, John, I will probably be looking at cost of living and, you know, things like meat and the prices of meat and how many of us now, in particular beef and lamb, are just finding that we can't afford to put it into our shopping trolleys. We've heard that octopus is $8 a kilo. Gary there from Sunshine, he's a fishmonger at the Footscray Markets, sardines selling, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilos a week at seven ninety nine a kilogram. And this is produce that's really good for you, you know, high in all of the essential oils and all of those things that we need. I wonder whether a part of the shift has actually just come down to price as well. Yeah, big time. I think that's a, a massive motivator for lots of people um, and availability as well. And you look at, um, you know, crayfish up around $90 a kilo. Um, yeah, it just doesn't compare, does it? Let's have a chat with Julian, who is in Yay. G'day, Julian. Hi. Um, look, I was just curious. Look, I'm, I love sourcing my own food and stuff like that, but with the sea urchins, I thought that would be a fantastic thing to get into. But I was also just curious about, like, how do you know you're taking the right animal and is there different sea urchins that are not causing a problem versus ones that aren't? And, like, how do you, like, is there safety involved with it or anything like that? Yeah, I know. Well, that's what we actually were asking Paul earlier, and he, was, he sort of, I guess, pushed us towards the website because I think it does take you through step-by-step step of, of what to look for and what to go. But in terms of who you can ask, I really can't help you there, Julian, because I had the same concerns. The last thing you want is just sort of anyone lobbing on down there and actually causing more damage than good. Yeah, especially if you don't know what the correct animal to be taking is like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Although in some of those spots that we were hearing about earlier, these sea urchins are kind of 
they've just taken over. So I think it'd be hard yeah. to miss them in some of those spots. But you're right, you kind of need, some in some cases, a bit of a fishing course. But the other thing, I think uh, fisheries are directing you towards the website because they are pretty distinctive, these, these sea urchins, when you see them. So um, hopefully that's a good resource for you, Julian. Yeah, cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, Julian, at Yay. And if you'd like to have a chat with us, I'm wondering if you do uh, catch or eat sea urchin, Bill is in Yarraville. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Oh, look, you know, just a, a bit about, I came out in 1958 from um, Croatia um, and from the seaside area. And it's a gross generalisation, but people out here, if you mentioned fish, you know, they, they, there's... Um, so who'd eat that? <laughs> yeah, right. It wasn't seen as a. Fish. I know. Growing up, Bill, I would have to wholly agree with you. I don't think fish was ever cooked, mm. unless my pa went maybe fishing once in a blue moon, and then he mm. would cook it up. But it wasn't considered a, a part of our diet. I mean, texts are coming in now saying it's crazy that we just don't eat sardines more. I mean, given that the cost of other meat is so expensive now, do you think we'll start to look at things like sardines and octopus? A lot of pe- a lot of people do eat them today, but when we came out, you couldn't buy, you couldn't get squid, you couldn't get um, sardines, you couldn't get pippies. People didn't eat pippies, you know. I could mention so many things they wouldn't eat, right? And if you mentioned squid, they'd say, "Oh, that's used for bait." Yeah, I know. Pippies, <laughs> bait. The, sort of the only the only uh, shellfish that were was really only scallops and perhaps mussels, but oh, and oysters. But other than that, there's uh, there's a lot of um, Oh, they just weren't used to eating it. It's not. It's not a criticism. I'm just saying it's. Um, yeah, it's changed absolutely. And, and Bill, do you cheap. fish? Do you do you fish yourself? Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I was brought up. Um, my father was fishing in the old country, and uh, part of his income was from fishing. And that's yeah, it's something I've grown up with. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just, um, and it was cheap. You see, it was relatively cheap compared now. If you look at it, it's gone the other way. It's gone full circle. I think now it's um, your fish is probably. Much more expensive than meat. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Bill. Uh, Clint is in Yarrawonga. Morning, Clint. What's your experience? Yeah. I um, just want to say, like, with these sea urchins, that they're saying they're overtaking everything and going into the bay and stuff. Well, maybe it's because we're not allowed to go fishing in there when we were before with nets and things like that, and it's changing the balance of things. And they've oh, okay. marine parks and stuff like that. Maybe everything's getting overrun now because... We've changed the balance of how things used to be when we used to go fishing there. So what did you traditionally go fishing for, Clint? Oh, I didn't just my family years ago. Like We haven't fished in the bay for a long time now, and that's maybe the reason we're getting the build-up of all these hectares. Yeah, right. So you think when we change certain licences is the part of the reason as to why other species yeah. like sea urchins build up? Potentially. I don't know. I've only just listened to this, and I've said I don't know too much about sea urchins, so I just thought maybe could be the reasoning behind these things. We change these things and licences get bought out for sometimes the wrong reasons and all to, all to make all these recreational fishermen happy. The commercial fishermen get screwed. Yeah, look, thank you, Clint, for your thoughts. I mean, these are pests, and I reckon probably the first of these, um, this introduced sea urchin would have been brought in on the hull of some container ship or something, and they have just exploded in in Victorian coastal waters. So I'm not sure how you manage I guess it's on land it's comparable to managing rabbits, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, we've just got heaps of them. There's other texts who are looking at things we never considered eating. White bait on rocket, rocket salad, best entree ever. I remember the first time I ate white bait, or the first time I saw it, actually, and I was like, you mean you eat the whole <laughs> thing with the little eyeballs and all? And even yeah. to this day, we eat Greek a lot, love Greek food. And I still I love white bait, but I have to not think about it too much and I have to yes. not think about what bit's crunching and whether it's the eyeballs or not, oh, <laughs> even though they're super little. So many people have on the text line of saying, yes, I saw my octopus teacher and I no longer eat octopus. Um, so many people saying that on the text line. Uh, let's have a chat with Frank, who is in Kilmore. G'day, Frank. Hello. I, um, when we, we were migrants, Maltese migrants. I was there when we were two and a half. When I, when I was about five or six, we used to go fishing sea urchins all the time, every second weekend. My, my, fa- my father made a, a square box with a glass bottom and you just walk out and, and just pick them up. 
And is it something that just stopped? You don't eat them anymore? Well, we, yeah, I've been, I left home for bloody 50 years ago, got married. So I, you know, end up turn, turning to an Aussie by that time. So well, we need you out. back out there, you know, Frank, I mean, getting out there and, and catching and, and helping cull what's considered a pest, which is the sea urchin. Is it time to mix up our fisherman's basket? And would you be prepared to eat species once seen as marine pests or as bait? Izzy in Brunswick West sent through this text, Rish, saying, my first memory of eating sea urchin is at Blanket Bay, splashing around the rock pools as a child, and a close family friend was diving for crayfish and brought a sea urchin out fresh from the sea, cracked it on a rock like an egg, and fished out the inside for me to eat right then and there. Mm. Incomparable experience. So many people are kind of associating Mm. sea urchins with a place and a time and an experience. And so many people loving them as well. I mean, it is considered a pest. The government as well as scientists are urgent urging us to eat them. We can do our bit to help because they eat everything and are causing Mm. havoc. This text saying, because we're also talking, as you said, about octopus, in the early 70s, we stayed with friends in Lawn. Our host had been to the bait shop and bought a big bag of squid very cheaply. He barbecued it and it was so delicious. That's from Mim in Hillsville. I love that. Bag of bait and then cook it up. That's a nice little insider (laughs) trick back in the 70s. Indeed. And that goes to um, just the way that they were seen. They were seen as bait and they were relatively cheap as well. Um, Manuel Perianos is from Planet Seafood and you can also hear him Saturday mornings at half past six with Libby Gore. Good morning, Manuel. Good morning. Are, Are we changing the way we think about some of these species? I mean, particularly octopus and sea urchins? I think so, yes. Because, look, 43 years ago when I first got involved in this industry, there was 10 items in a fresh fish window, and I, I remember it clearly. There was not much variety. You had flathead, flake, snapper, rockling, blue, blue grenadier, which was the most common fish that came into the market. In the way of shellfish, we had things like oysters, mussels, scallops, and craze and prawns, and that was it. Today, in a fresh fish shop uh, like the one I've got, we could have anything up to 16 to 20 varieties of just fillets. When we talk about whole fish, there's another dozen varieties of whole fish. And octopus and things like sea urchin have always been around, but it's taken us a long time to actually be introduced to it. And thank God for a lot of Greek fishmongers that came into the industry (laughs) that slowly influenced people to try these things. And also the fact that we've become more multicultural and a lot of the restaurants and the chefs are from other countries. They've yeah. brought their culture across and they've made us go out there and try and track this product down like octopus and sea urchin. It's and so great, isn't it? I mean, it we've is. heard from people from Malta, from Greece, from Italy yes. today, all talking about, you know, how it was just simply seen as bait here. Emmanuel, you know, maybe once when you were asked for sea urchins, you'd have to go out the back, you know, and get them out, out of the back fridge. And now they're up yes. front and centre in the display yes. cabinet. When did you start to see this shift and also see this shift too so that it wasn't maybe just people of, of Greek or Maltese heritage that were asking for even sardines can be thrown into this conversation. Definitely sardines and white bait, definitely. Things that we considered um, as bait, and that's all we considered them as, are now a delicacy and on, on a lot of menus in restaurants and also in fresh fish shops. And things like, like we mentioned, white bait, vongole uh, or pippies, they were, they were used as bait. They cook up and make a beautiful seafood marinara or in, uh, mixed into any other kind of a risotto dish. Uh, octopus, if it's cooked correctly, whether it's large octopus or the pale variety of octopus, which we're catching lots of now, it, it just melts in your mouth and it's got flavour. And sea urchin is one of those delicacies. I don't think you should even cook sea urchin. It's that beautiful. It's sashimi quality. It always comes fresh. You can't freeze sea urchin. If you freeze sea urchin, it's not the same. It falls apart. Mm. So if you just a squeeze of lemon over it, Mm. it comes up just perfect. 
Good on you, Manuel. Thank you, Manuel Parianos from Planet Seafoods, um, who is a good friend of uh, the Saturday morning program on ABC Melbourne and Victoria with Libby Gore speaking there about sea urchin and and octopus. And I guess this is a bit of an ad rish for multiculturalism as yeah, well because great. we've been talking about different tastes coming to Australia from from you know Greece and the Mediterranean and all that sort of stuff, but also from Asia. We've been talking about pippies, and I know they're they're kind of big in. Um, some Asian cultures as well as as great seafood. So things are starting to change. Uh, Lulu is in Burwood. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I lived in Italy for many years and we used to fish octopus with a line and sinker. And was it easy so, to catch, Lulu? Um, yeah, yes, they're quite easy. Um, you have to follow several rules. Um, they're fished on a on a sandy seabed from usually a rowing boat because the boat has to be in motion. So you get your line and not too deep. The water can't be too deep. You should be at about you should be able to sort of see the the bottom. Um, so you get a line with a good sinker and you wrap tin foil around the sinker. And as the boat proceeds slowly, you move the your line up and down and bob it along the sea floor very slowly, and the foil uh, attracts. Well, the light from the foil attracts the octopus, and when you feel that you've caught one, because you feel that all of a sudden your line becomes heavy, you pull it in really slowly, and then um, your helper on the boat. You always have to have a helper with a net. So before the octopus gets to the surface, you scoop it out and you put it in the boat. Um, the problem with that is after you've fished three or four, you've got octopus crawling over the boat. Oh, yeah, I know. That's an image. And, I mean, what a creative way to use L-foil, like to use tin foil as well. I've seen it used for a lot of things when it comes to craft, but never would have thought of it to catch octopus. Lulu, you waited a long time all throughout that press conference as well to speak with us. So thank you so much. This is great. This text here, Jono. Having a partner that was a migrant from Spain, these things are not surprising to me. My mother-in-law was a wizard at the fish market. There is Nothing like a handful of fresh white bait and a beer. Barbecue octopus, pippies cooked in white wine, tapa. Mmm, yum. Yum. And another one here on the text line, white bait on rocket salad, the best entree. So people are already onto this, Rish. It's yeah, great. Yeah, no, we're, we're a bit slow. We're a little bit behind the curve. So that's the conversation hour for today. But if you missed the start of this program or if you know someone who'd be interested in this topic, subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can email us at conversationhour at abc.net.au. We'd love to hear from you with any suggestions, comments, questions, and ideas for future shows. Thanks for listening, and have a good one.